on today's episode, The Good and Bad of Massage Therapy with Alice Sanvito. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Okay, we have a good one today. Um, I have surprised myself that we haven't covered massage therapy yet, but we have now. We have Alice Sanvito in the house today. Uh, big thanks to my Patreon supporters for uh, jumping on and having their input once again. They have been kind enough to give me some feedback. I sent out a question asking um, why they get massage therapy, what they think it helps with, and what they've been told or what they believe massage therapy helps with. Thanks to Jill, who says that it helps dissociate from the work and life balance. She feels relaxed and less tense, and the massage itself just feels good. And has been told in the past that it promotes circulation, decreases muscle tension, and decreases pain. Vanessa usually um, gets massage to relieve tight knots, tight muscles, um, and holds a lot of stress in her body. And she's been told that it helps uh, with lactic acid buildup. Steve gets tight neck muscles and from just general stress at work and massage helps with that. And along the similar lines, we're seeing a bit of a pattern uh, around promoting circulation, decreasing pain, decreasing muscle tension, addressing muscle knots, all that sort of thing. So we're going to touch base on all that today, which I'm super excited about. I'm super excited to deliver this key knowledge to you. Um, and thanks again once to those Patreon supporters. I released my first exclusive Patreon episode this week, so I was pumped about that and addressing, um, talking to the the group. And it's hard for me to know who I'm addressing to when I release a generic episode because there's thousands of you out there that um, I don't know who you are. But um, yeah, so it was a good, nice change of pace. The episode that I did release was identifying the warning signs or um, any alarms that might a new injury might be arising or what symptoms to pay attention to that might develop into an injury. So recognizing, interpreting, detecting these signs. Alice, uh, in a couple of weeks time, I think next week by the time this gets released, is partaking in the Run Chat Live conference. It is produced by the Run Chat Live podcast by Matt Phillips, who organizes and hosts the podcast and organizes this uh, conference. So I had to reach out to him and said, hey, I'm getting Alice to come on board. Um, I'd love to do a shout out for your conference. And because I attended it last year and just love the, the work that he does. And he was generous enough without me even asking for giving you guys a discount code. So um, what this conference is, is a whole bunch of um, 
mainly researchers and health professionals talking about all the the latest research, the latest evidence when it comes to runners. Uh, So it's right up your alley if you listen to this podcast. When I have listened to, when I attended last year's conference, it was quite technical. They go through articles, they go through evidence, and some of it can be a bit overwhelming or a bit technical when it comes to just everyday runner knowledge. So there is a bit of um, technicalities in there, a bit of jargon thrown around. But if you love this podcast, you'd love that conference. Um, let me look up because I'll, the discount code is RUNSMARTER20 and it'll give you 20% off. And I'll include the link in the show notes that will give you access to this. Um, so the dates are the 29th and 30th of October. So very soon next week. Um, it is available in English and in Spanish, if you um, prefer the Spanish alternative. Um, the guests, the guest speakers are Alice. We have Matt Fitzgerald. We have Kevin Maggs, who was on this um, podcast. We have Mike James, who I refer to constantly for strength and conditioning. We have Tom Goom, who is the absolute legend when it comes to running injuries and breaking down a lot of concepts and the latest evidence. Um, a lot of the stuff I've learned has come from Tom Goom. And yeah, a, a packed jam full of um, top quality, top tier, world-class guest speakers. So um, yeah, I'm pumped to let you know about it. And if you want to get 20% off, then you can um, just click on the link below. And yeah, you, will, you can attend it live. It will be virtual. So you can attend them for the live interactions and Q and A's and all that sort of stuff. But with this discount code, you can also receive all of the, um, all of the recordings, which is what I did last year. So I purchased it after the, the live event and then just listened in my own time to all of these listeners, jot down my notes, pause when I need to pause, write down what I've learned. And yeah, I found that a really, really good way, a good addition to what is usually a live conference and you just have to jot everything down and hope you catch everything. Um, so having those recordings is really, really good. Um, I think that's all I, I, I need to say about that conference. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, yeah. So without further ado, we'll talk, we'll bring on Alice and we'll talk about massage therapy. We're going to break down a whole bunch of concepts. We're going to break down a whole bunch of beliefs that you might have around massage therapy. And we're going to also add in some good stuff as well. So um, yeah, enjoy. It's a bit of a long one, but uh, worth it. So here is Alice San Vito. Okay, um, so let's get started. Alice, it's a pleasure to have you on today. The concept of massage and massage therapy is a topic that I haven't covered at all on this podcast in the 75 episodes that I have. And runners do often uh, require or think they require massage therapy techniques. And I did ask my Patreons around what their beliefs are and what they think is happening with massage therapy. So I'm excited to dive into a couple of the concepts today. So let me start off by saying welcome, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. And I'm really excited about this. And um, that's interesting that it's taken a while for this to come up because I know. Uh, I'm just waiting for the right person, Alice. That's the thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I hope I, I hope I fill the bill. Um, And I'm very curious to hear what they have to say about it and what they're being told and um, what their experience is. So, yeah, no, this sounds sounds like a lot of fun. 
I'm sure it's nothing that you haven't heard before. But before we dive into that side of things, how about we just talk about, first of all, your background and how you found yourself into massage therapy? Um, Well, I came into it late in life. I was 40 years old when I came into it. Um, And just to put me in context, I'm, I'm in Midwestern United States. I began practicing in 1991. And at the time, we had no state licensing, less than half the states had licensing. So there were very, uh, there were no requirements, but I'm the kind of person I'm always seeking out the best teachers I can find. So I found a school that offered the most comprehensive curriculum at the time. And then as soon as I got out of school, I started studying um, remedial massage. So my first class was in sports massage. And at the time, I wasn't that interested in sports or sports massage, but I was interested in injury rehabilitation. And I thought that would be a good place to start. And then I started working with athletes. They just started showing up. And I found I really enjoyed working with that population. Um, They tended to be very upbeat and had a very can-do attitude. And uh, so I ended up doing a lot of sports massage but since then, so that would have been in 1991. Um, I just dove right in. I started um, studying trigger point therapy and ended up within a couple of years uh, assisting at seminars where they taught that. And so I assisted at those seminars for 10 years. Um, I was very, very steeped in it. And uh, I also started studying with the Russian massage therapist. Jenya Koroshova wine. Um, in the former Soviet Union, they use massage in their hospitals and clinics and with their sports teams. And they were very serious about it. And I traveled with her to Russia and Latvia to see how they used it there. Um, and just really, I, you know, I, I took gross anatomy, uh, doing dissecting cadavers um, and studied under the the professor of anatomy at St. Louis University Medical School. Um, the class wasn't at the medical school. It was at an outside facility where he taught non-medical students. So I just have had, you know, 28 years of experience and a lot of continuing education. And from the beginning, I was very interested in the science of massage and tried to find people who were science-based because my education definitely was not. <laughs> so, um, Very cool. Yeah, and can I ask, yeah. like, if you were to have these, um, the trainings in sports massage, remedial massage, like this trigger point therapy, when you were to see an athlete and they were, to, they might've been injured or wanting to um, enhance recovery, those sort of things, during your training, were you, uh, did you instill a certain belief or were you trained to have a certain belief in terms of what massage was doing? Um, my initial training didn't very much. I mean, I, I don't know if people even really thought about it, you know, they just was like, it feels good. Um, so that was kind of good. I mean, I, we had a lot of goofy stuff. We were made to study like astrology and stuff like that. Although, my teacher did give us a good foundation in anatomy and physiology. And in those days, people don't believe me, but a lot of schools did not teach it. And they were very much about intuition. Um, But um, 
so I didn't, I didn't get a lot of goofy ideas about what massage was doing at the time. But then when I got into um, trigger point therapy, which I drifted away from once I, I started learning more about the, the neurobiology of pain and how the nervous system is playing a role there. Um, but you, you really can't escape it. So yeah, there's a, I escaped some of the strange ideas, but um, yeah, I was taught that it was getting rid of lactic acid. And I learned early from one of my NMT instructors that it wasn't. Um, I think it was about in 1994 or 95 that he said, oh, by the way, massage is not getting rid of lactic acid. And they found that lactic acid is not even what makes you sore. And I said, oh, really? And I, I didn't find that too shocking, you know, because I wasn't running a lactic acid removal business. I just quit <laughs> saying anything about lactic acid. So, um, but over time, and I'll tell you when it really stepped up, when I got on the internet, I stumbled across a group of, of physiotherapists and very science-minded massage therapists who knew a lot more about research and science than I did. And it set the bar a lot higher. And that's when a lot of my ideas started being challenged. Um, and I was really taken aback at first, but I also recognized that these people knew more than I did. And I wanted to learn from them. Um, so it was on one hand kind of exciting, but it was a little unnerving. And, uh, the crisis came when somebody challenged my ideas on trigger points because I was very invested in them. I, like I said, I had assisted at seminars teaching that for 10 years. I'd been practicing it for about 20 years. Um, and even early, I had seen some holes in their hypothesis, but because nobody else around me seemed to recognize them, I, I kind of forgot about them, but I started being challenged on that and came to realize this was something that I finally came to realize we were being taught hypothesis as if it were fact. And when I, that was kind of a strange thing to go through because I, I took these things at fact and they weren't, it was like a conjecture about what's going on. And then I saw that there were a lot of flaws and I don't get into the flaws with it too much with people because it, it does get very technical, but there's a lot of holes in the trigger point hypotheses. So, it, so we do recognize that people have sore spots that can radiate pain and other sensations elsewhere, but it's the explanation for why that is happening that has some serious flaws in it. And so I, I backed away from that, but that was kind of a crisis because that was a foundational concept for me. But in the meantime, I, um, I started learning about the role of the nervous system and in pain. And it was a little hard for me to wrap my head around it in the beginning, but it little bit by little bit, I started understanding. And, and so it shifted how I thought about what I was doing. Um, are the, the people, the runners that you encounter, are they, they very familiar with Timothy Noakes and his um, generator 
theory of fatigue. I doubt it. I've only, I only just discovered Noakes's work probably a couple of months ago and that's, Uh you know, eight years into nine years into being a physio now. Uh Uh-huh. Well, um, he, um, got some notoriety for just uh, uh, realizing that overhydration was becoming a problem in um, like marathon runners because people were being told so much to hydrate and people didn't recognize that you could overhydrate and that could cause ill effects. But um, he came up with this idea that he looked at fatigue and he said, well, it's supposed to be, um, a result of, of depletion, you know, of, of glucose or oxygen or whatever. But, but then there's this experience of people getting a second wind or right at the end of a race that, that, you know, they get energized and, and he put out the idea that maybe fatigue is a sensation generated by the brain to keep us from depletion. And so that kind of dovetails with what's going on in, in our understanding of pain, that um, a lot of the way we thought about it is, is shifting and that we've come to understand there's not a direct correlation between tissue damage and pain and that the sensations that we feel are, are generated by the brain. Yeah, um, I think the listeners have... Um, at least I did a whole series on pain science and what the, the nervous system does and what the brain does to interpret certain pain signals. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. And I also had another episode on train the brain to endure. And I talked about the um, Alex Hutchinson's book around endure, which explained um, Tim Noakes's all, all his research and work as well. So um, it's, it's extremely interesting when it comes to how the body interprets pain or interprets like certain severity levels of pain but you did touch on an interesting point before when talking about um lecturing and educating yourself or teaching a certain concept and then being quite unnerving when people start to challenge that hypothesis and i thought what might actually help is i'll talk about my experience when it comes to as a physiotherapist like delivering Um, massage because I remember at uni we had probably one or two lessons that were dedicated to massage and massage techniques and that was it that was it for the whole uni and then you were just advised to practice elsewhere and so they said that massage helps uh, release muscle it helps increase blood circulation and (laughs) it helps um we did a little bit of trigger point but not really that we did some trigger point stuff in post-grad but what was happening is i'd go become a sports therapist and i'd start doing these massage techniques and it was working like i would promote that it is helping it's helping it to relax the muscle lengthen the muscle it helps to promote circulation and i was telling my athletes this is because this is what I was trained to or educated in 
Yeah. But I was seeing results. I was seeing um, good results, decreased levels of pain. People were jumping off the table feeling a lot better. And this was confirming my belief that this is yeah. actually doing. Yeah. And could you maybe um, chime in with my experience? Because this is the experience that a lot of therapists have gone through. And the better results you see and you see results year in, year out, and just confirms and solidifies that belief over and over again. Um, what were you starting to hear or what were you starting to experience that was challenging your overall uh, theory of what was actually working? Well, like I said, these, these physiotherapists um, were just at everything. I, you know, anything I said, they, they were challenging it. And at a point I am, the trigger point one was the one that really um, had, I hit bottom. I, I, I suddenly realized the possibility that everything I thought I knew was wrong. And that is not a comfortable place to be. And um, there are a couple of days I went to work. I felt like a complete fraud because I realized I had no idea what I was doing and I had to go in and act like I did. And so for about three days, I was going to work and, and just thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just did what I usually did anyway just to get by. And after a couple of days, I realized people are still getting up and getting and be and feel good. And like you say, in the past, that was a, you know, confirmation to me that what I thought was correct. Um, and when I realized that whatever I was doing with my hands was working pretty well for people, it was how I thought about it. And I, I don't think it's nearly as necessary for the client to understand these, these things as it is for the therapist, but how we think about things or influences how we go about doing them or how we experience them. So, um, so getting back to trigger points or things like fascia, people are off therapists and clients alike believe that you have to press really hard into it. And if it's not painful, it's not therapeutic um, because we think we have to destroy these trigger points and, or stretch this fascia, which is very tough. And when you understand that the nervous system is generating those sensations, you find that you don't have to work so aggressively and make people sore and you're less likely to hurt people. Um, so that was, that was, that was quite the revolution. Um, sometimes it's tough because the client has either been told by other therapists or, other people or they've experienced themselves. Somebody's pushed hard on them and they, they, it hurt at the time, but then they felt better. Um, but it's not, it's not necessarily a great approach. It can work temporarily, but it also can end up making the nervous system more sensitive. And if the tissues are sensitive, we want to calm them down. So, um, I have to spend a little time sometimes talking with them, taking a, a less aggressive approach and and then when they experience it, they get up and they feel good. Um, they realize, oh, maybe I maybe we don't have to cause pain to get rid of pain. Um, so yeah, and even when they they experience pain themselves, if you know if you feel like you just got injured, then obviously you want to pay attention to that. But if you're just experiencing you know fatigue or achiness that comes with fatigue, if you understand that's a sensation that you're not doing damage to yourself. You still feel that sensation, but, how, but 
your reaction to it is different. Um, I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> it does. I don't think we're getting to like, I don't think we're ever going to get to any like really definitive, like absolute yeah. with this sort of conversation. But yeah, when we're talking about if you're a massage therapist, you have an athlete in front of you and you're feeling around and they experience like a really intense sensation in one particular spot. Um, and it's very easy for an athlete to believe if they come across a really tender spot and a therapist would say, oh, this is a trigger point. Let me press this and let me release this. And you're going to feel yeah. a lot better afterwards. It's really easy to believe that because they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea I was so sensitive in this area. And yeah. then all the while you've, they're having their hands on it to really like, might be intense, but it might be therapeutic to have someone have their hands on and pay attention to that area. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're kind of in a way, desensitizing potentially uh, when we're addressing that area, which makes them feel a lot better. So how are you explaining what's happening? How are you communicating with your patient when this type of occurrence does happen? Um, That are you asking like the, when they, like people say, you know, Oh, I really like a lot of pressure or, or beat me up or something like that because they feel good afterwards that kind of addressing that kind of thing exactly and like maybe if someone was to ask like what is this actually doing um how is this helping me what what would you say as a a therapist i have no idea yeah because i get that i ask get asked that all the time and it's it's really tough when the evidence doesn't really stack up i know um yeah um it's a tough one because, you know, five years ago, well, I guess it's longer than that ago now, but at a time, you know, I had easy answers to all this stuff. And, and now I've told people, I, I know less and less. I'm, I'm sure about less and less. And by the time I'm 80, I won't know anything. <laughs> um, um, what I tell them it um, is that the, the nervous system is really in control. And I, I kind of backed off talking about the brain very much until I get to know somebody. Um, just because some people have an odd reaction to it. Um, and it, it kind of varies with the person. I really try to adapt what I'm saying to the person. So that's, that's the first thing is when they come in to listen very carefully to them and what they're experiencing and what they think about their experiencing and, and address it to them. Um, but I, you know, when I tell them is it's, it's the nervous system that it makes us feel, you know, pain that if we feel tension or uh, a lack of tension, that the nervous system is controlling that. And, and people, you know, understand that they can, and so, and I tell them, you can't beat the nervous system in the submission. You can't bully it. You have to coax it. Uh, so, you know, what is that sensation of tightness that we have? I, it, like, one of the things they found is our experience of the sensation of tightness or tension in a muscle doesn't necessarily mean that the muscle is, in fact, contracting or, or doing something like that. Um, it's a sensation that we have and, you know, there's something about touch and, and when we have our hands on people, we're, we're stimulating those nerve endings that are in the skin and it's, 
it's sending input to the nervous system and and if the nervous system likes it you know it it tur turns down the volume on the sensation of pain turns down the volume on the sensation of tension um exactly how that all comes about you know we don't really know lots yeah. of detail i think we're gonna but, like the direction we're heading is is we're not too sure we're gonna end up not knowing anything but i think any like takeaways i think we can start to identify or bust a couple of myths that it is not and you already said earlier yeah. in the, the interview that we're not circulating or we're not removing lactic acid buildup um yeah. another concept that people have is i have um knots i have knots in my muscle that i need to release yeah. what are your thoughts on that yeah and and you can even feel sometimes you know something that feels like a, a nodule and exactly what that is. I don't know. You know, I really don't know. Um, you know, when people ask what are knots, I, I, I just don't know what to tell them. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I know that, you know, when I put my hands on people, a lot of times, whatever that is, that's going on, um, can feel better. Yeah. And I don't worry about them. Sometimes people feel something if there's no pain, they just feel something and they think that there's something wrong, you know, there may not be anything wrong at all, but what is going on is, is it a little collection of, of muscle fibers that are contracted or is there something going on at that place where maybe the, the micro circulation in that area is different? You know, is there a nerve that's being compressed and, um, I, you know, I, there's no way for me to know. So yeah. <laughs> the other I, I have to confess a lot of times that, that I don't know. And you know, this was something in the beginning that um when I came to this realization, I was afraid that if I admitted that to my clients, they would think I was stupid. But in fact, <laughs> they didn't. Um and quite the opposite. Yeah, they actually, I gained their trust because they knew that I wasn't just going to tell them any made up thing. Um, the other the other thing I'm hearing a lot is that massage promotes circulation. And this was one yeah. thing that I heard at uni because when I'd start massaging a particular area, that skin would go red. And they were like, yeah, this is because we're aiding promote, uh, the blood flow and we're aiding circulation we're promoting all of this stuff and um this is one of the mechanisms why it's working and um, right. do you have any yeah. any thoughts well, on this that? is one that if you just think about it some of these things if you think at all about the physiology uh, you can demonstrate to yourself it doesn't make sense the the circulatory system is a closed loop you know and so like over a period of time, you know, if we would lose blood, our body would make more blood. But in the here and now, within the course of a few minutes, your your body is not making more or less blood. So you've got a fixed amount and a closed system. So what does it even mean to improve circulation? If it means more blood is, you know, passing a certain point, you know, like it's it's traveling faster. Well, you need the heart rate pump faster to do that 
And when you're lying on a massage table and you're relaxing, your heart rate's usually dropping. <laughs> you know? the so that's not it. But then the other thing is that, okay, so if it means more blood in a certain area, well, if you have a closed loop and a fixed amount, that means less blood somewhere else. So what does that mean? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So here's what's going on, I think, is that, yeah, we do see people's skin turn pink. And so the little capillaries in the skin are opening up and there's more blood there. But then there's got to be blood, less blood somewhere else. Well, where is it coming from? It's probably coming from the muscles nearby. And this makes physiological sense. Hold on just a sec. I need a little sip of water there. So here's the thing that, you know, there's the, uh, the two broad divisions of the nervous system, the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight, and the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. And the rest and digest one, the blood is diverted away from the muscles and towards the internal organs and the skin, which is why when people are very relaxed, they have a nice pink rosy glow in their face. Um, and then when it's in the sympathetic, the, the fight or flight, it's diverted away from the skin and the internal organs and towards the muscles. So you can run. And so... Yeah, if you want more blood in your muscles, you know, it it's going to come from somewhere else. And if you want bl more blood in your skin, it's got to come from somewhere else. So the whole idea of altering circulation, if you want more circulation, go out and take a walk or a run. Um, but I think what it does do is it, it makes us feel relaxed. And one of the one of the most the area in which we have the most solid evidence around massage is effect on on mood on on anxiety and depression it just you know it's pretty well documented and, and obvious from experience that people feel relaxed and a lot of runners know that your ability to run is not just resting on your physical state, but also your mental state. Um, there's a marathon runner I used to work with who ended up qualifying for the Olympic trials. And he told me one time, he said, if I just had a fight with my girlfriend, I, my running is terrible. And so your, your mental state also affects your physical state and vice versa. So by helping people feel just good in their body, um, that can improve people's experience and their performance. And then, um, you know, people with pain, it does seem to help at least short term with, with pain and with a feeling of tension. So I think those are some pretty modest claims that we can make, but I've gotten away from making very specific claims because we don't even need them. Like in 28 years, I haven't ever had a single person come in and give their reason for massage that they want to improve their circulation. You know, it's usually they just, you know, want to feel better. They feel tense or anxious and they want to feel more relaxed or they have pain and they want to see if they can reduce it. Um, or they just want a pleasant experience. So Yeah, it's a and great point to touch on. And yeah, it's, it's a really nice um, segue into... 
thing. And I'll say, well, I don't know, but let's see. Yeah. And when I asked my Patreon supporters to, um, what are their thoughts on massage? I asked like, why do you get a massage? Um, like, what do you think is happening and what have you been told is happening? And a lot of the times of what they've been told is kind of like the lactic acid buildup, the promote circulation, yeah. decreased muscle tension. But when I ask, why do you actually get a massage? There's a lot of responses like, I just feel good. And it yeah. reduces tension. It sort of yeah. separates me from the the working day. It's good for my, like to mentally calm down, um, helps yeah. with my stress. I hold stress in my body and yeah. the massage helps with that, which makes a whole lot of sense because- well, what's, it might not actually like the physiology might not make sense, but mentally you're settling down, right. you're calming down, you've got hands on. It's usually a warm room. You usually just like the sensation. We're very tactile people. We like the sensations yeah. on our body and it can help mentally calm us down, which is makes a whole ton yeah. of sense why you're saying the research supports mood. It supports anxiety. It supports depression. And when it comes to yeah. us delivering that as a technique, um, that's kind of what we can be directed our education towards yeah. and what we can try and emphasize when we are delivering these techniques. Yeah. You know what, if every single claim about massage, were just, we found out tomorrow was wrong, you know, it, people would still get it because it feels good. You know, it makes them feel good. And that I, you know, when I had this crisis, I, at a point, thought, I want to try to give up everything I thought I knew, try to get up all my assumptions as well as I can recognize them and start from scratch and think about what do we need, what do we know for sure, really? And what it came down to was, you know, I'm really good at making people feel better and some people with pain, I seem to be able to help them have less pain. And I thought, you know, if those are the only two things I can say for my the rest of my professional life, that's not a bad place to be. Um, so the details beyond that, um, you know, like the thing with lactic acid, apparently at some point in the history of physiology, physiologists thought that that's what created the, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. And for some reason, that little piece of physiological explanation got out in the public and later they found out that that wasn't the case and but that that little piece of information hung in there so to this day there are people who think that and you know it, it a person just wants to feel better they just want their soreness to be decreased you know when when it comes down to it they don't care physiologically what's going on um so I, an awful lot, I, I just don't worry too much anymore about what's going on underneath the skin. I try to educate myself as much as I can because um, I, outside of just a professional obligation, I don't want to do anybody any harm. And I want to understand how what I do affects a person's body as well as I can. But, you know, the client just wants to feel better. And that's the bottom line. They, um, so th some of these ideas, I don't worry too terribly much about. There's some that 
I do because there is the potential to cause harm. Um, when you think that you have to use a lot of pressure to make things change because you think you have to break up adhesions or destroy, destroy trigger points, um, you know, you can injure people and, and people do get injured. Um, there's a, a myth out there that there's a pressure point on your ankle that if you stimulate it, that pregnant women can cause them to have a miscarriage. And I think that's a very bad idea to be circulating because if a woman is unlucky enough to have a miscarriage, she might remember a time where she had an itch or maybe her feet and ankles felt kind of tired and she massaged them and she could end up thinking she caused a death of her own baby. So some of them have the potential to do harm. Absolutely. Um, when I'm thinking about uh, causing no harm and what some warnings might be or some traps that runners might get involved in would be a therapist that is uh, um, educating people that uh, makes them dependent on massage or makes them heavily yeah. reliant on massage or massage yeah. as like a short term uh, as a long-term solution and constantly having to come back to that therapist in order to receive the benefits because you did mention massage makes people feel really good but it's yeah. most likely a short-term thing um do yeah. you see these traps do you see um this in common practice yeah and um and also in among that are people who've been led to believe that they're a mess and they're full of all these trigger points that have to be you know right. constantly destroyed and that kind of stuff and um you know, making people believe that they're a mess is, is sabotaging them. Um, and, and making people think that they have to depend on us to fix them is it, it it's not good for the client. You know, if you're, if you're a, a client centered therapist, you want to do what's best for the client. And Fostering dependency is not in the client's best interest. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I gave up, you know, the idea that anybody needs to see me. They, if they want to see me, they can, they're, they're free to do that. Uh, and there are some people that they find that doing massage regularly fits in for them with keeping themselves feeling at their, their maximum. And they really like that, but I'm not trying to make them feel dependent. I don't, I don't foster that. And it's, and I want them to understand that that's a choice and that they can change it every time or at any time. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't judge my success by how regularly somebody sees me or, or how often, because that might be, <laughs> that might be an indication that we're not being successful. It's sometimes, you know, somebody with a chronic pain problem will come and see me and said, Oh, I had this really great therapist, you know, I've been seeing him every week for seven years and they still have the same pain. Very and, true. Huh. and I'm thinking, well, then what was so great about them that you still have the same problem, you know? And, um, I don't say that to them. It would be kind of rude, but that's what I'm thinking. Um, 
I, my goal is, is for the client to, to help them understand what they can do to keep themselves feeling good. Um, so if they want to come back, they can, but I'm not going to try to create that dependency. And, and if they start expressing that, you know, I'm saving their life or something, I try to, I try to diplomatically, um, untangle that idea i don't i don't think it's good for the client yeah well that's the point isn't it it's about the right education and kind of like an informed consent approach to massage therapy and you touched on a whole bunch of points there i i think fear is a a big motivator it's easy to motivate someone with fear and if someone's laying down the table and you push on a, a a tight point and they're like oh what's that and they say oh this is a trigger point that's connected to your elbow and you're getting elbow pain because you've got this trigger point up here let me release this and let me do this oh let's have a look wow, at your shoulder look really you've got oh. yeah. <laughs> how many and then, times massage therapist said that and then there's like it creates fear it's like oh my god i have all these trigger points that are triggering all yeah. this pain and that's it's very easy for a therapist to communicate that way and it's very because it is a motivator for them to come back and be like, I need to get this sorted out. My elbow pain is yeah. back. Maybe these trigger points are firing up. And unfortunately, a lot of practices do measure their success on how many patients they see, or they're pushed by their um, superiors to continuously stay busy and motivate yeah. them to keep coming back, which is a real danger. And when we come to runners and we address runners who are seeing these therapists with running injuries, we need to be really careful as runners and educate ourselves as runners to avoid traps like this sort of communication. Like you need to rely on this hands-on therapy every week for several months. And if pain keeps coming back. Or you're you're in big trouble, you know? Yeah. Um, But, you know, if you don't, you know, some ticking time bomb is going to go off. You know, here's the thing. I, is that there's there's a lot of bad information circulating in the massage world. Our our education is pretty minimal and pretty poor, at least in the United States. And I've been committed for a long time to trying to get accurate information out to people. And and a lot of massage therapists don't like that because let's face it, who likes to find out that our cherished beliefs, you know could be wrong. It's not fun. But I think our greater commitment should be to the client and to have an accurate understanding. And I, I got over my upset, you know, now it's like, I find out that, you know, somebody corrects me, somebody who knows more than I do corrects me. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Cause I want to be right. You know? <laughs> and so, but besides that, I'm, I'm committed to giving my clients accurate information and, Um, one of the things I was asked to give a talk about shit massage therapists say, and to a group of massage therapists that I could have easily ticked off. And the thing that I said that people came up to me later and said really got their attention is that if we don't give our clients accurate information, they can't give informed consent. And that caught their attention. Uh, and so I kind of use that as an appeal. Look, we, we have an obligation to give people accurate information. We, 
we need to be a little more careful about what we say and think about it. Um, I'd rather say, I don't know, than make up a story, you know, that probably isn't going to be true. So yeah, the people believing that they're a mess without us is, it's not good for them. You know, if somebody was not in a runner, had a race coming up and they weren't able to get their massage and they're going to go in, you know, feeling all anxious because they're quite sure that these trigger points are going to go off all over the place on them. That's not very helpful. They're ticking time bomb. (laughs) Yeah. You want them to be confident and, and, and have trust in their body and, you know, have optimism. Absolutely. I think we found the balance in this topic of the good and the bad of massage and mostly the bad, but the, the good part being that like, if I was, thankfully I I do only online physio these days, but if I was back in clinics, I would definitely still massage people. I definitely, if they were injured, um, if they had knee pain, if they had shin splints, I'd definitely start doing some dry needling and massage because like we said, it, it helps, like it reduces pain. It makes people feel better the mechanism of why they feel better is up in the air. But uh, what we do is if I do some massage techniques and that gets your pain levels down to like significantly lower, that allows you to then go home and do more exercises and more loading and more of these long-term strategies. If you can do that more effectively, then that's a better strategy in the long run because you're able to start or you're able to do more of these rehab strategies that have been proven to work and do start to um, tip you towards the, the aim for longer term goals and like longer term strategies. And I think that's what a runner who is coming in, seeing a massage therapist or who is injured and seeing a manual therapist should keep in mind. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that I, I thought about um, Anna Meekins who, um, I adore, I, I am a fan girl and um, there are a lot of manual therapists who are really disturbed because he's uh, pretty much opposed to manual therapy. And I completely understand his reasons why. Um, and a lot of it is dependency and, and that it's a passive thing. And, you know, as you're saying it, in my way of thinking, I, there are some potential dangers there, but I also see that it can create some optimism that maybe the relief I give somebody is going to be short term, but for them to experience feeling better in their body can then give them the idea that, oh, they're not stuck in this pain, that they actually could feel better. And to have the experience of feeling more comfortable in their body is, you know, I will tell them if, if you've done this once, you can do it again and try to build on that. And then maybe they will be more inclined to do their exercise or whatever it is that they should be doing to rehabilitate themselves. Um, so I think there's a, a legitimate place there for it. Um, and especially people with, uh, some chronic pain conditions that maybe are not really going to go away. Um, even for some people to even get a little temporary relief is, is really useful to them. So I think 
I think that, that, that we can do it with integrity, but we always need to keep center and, and forefront the well-being of the client, you know, what is best for the client. And, um, that when you're in a fee for service situation, um, it's, it's hard not to think about, you know, you got to pay the rent and stuff. So how do you do that and, and keep your integrity? And I, 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 you know, I think it's, it's quite possible. I don't, I don't recommend that anybody ask me for advice around business because I'm not a good <laughs> business person, but I can direct them to people who I do think, you know, are very successful business wise and, and do it with integrity and, point to them and say here go talk to that person <laughs> talk to me about physiology and how <laughs> pain works and fascia <laughs> and I, I think period. i think we have covered so much today and i think we have um <laughs> like the overall message would be just to avoid falling into these traps because that can be significantly like detrimental to your well-being and to your recovery if you are injured but as we wrap up today are there any other messages that we haven't discussed that you think that runners should know when it comes to massage therapy are are they big on fascia uh let's let's assume they are (laughs) okay Uh, because here in the united states fascia is a big focus of attention um and the, the bottom line is um, fascia. I don't know how much runners know about the, the function of fascia, but basically it's, it's like to contain like your muscles, you know, and, and also to transmit forces. And so that, um, you know, the, if it's sort of containing a muscle and, and all your muscle fibers contract and it's helping to transmit that, that force, that pulling force. And so those are kind of its two main functions and people get the idea that it gets tight and then it has to be stretched, but it's not contractile. The muscle fibers are contractile, but the fascia itself is not. And it's very tough. You cannot stretch it. It's, it's as tough as Kevlar. And so there's a lot of sometimes brutal therapy that's that's done to people under the guise of, of stretching their fascia or breaking up adhesions and you can't do either one. And people will say, well, but I do this thing and I feel, you know, I feel it changing. And my response to that is, I know you feel a change. The therapist feels a change. The client feels a change. But what I'm saying is the explanation for the change is not what you think it is. Um, and so what's really, so what's something we do know is when we have our hands on people, it stimulates nerve endings and sends impulses to the brain and the brain processes them and makes changes. And that's what's making the change. And that's something we know pretty solidly. I mean, the details of how that goes about, comes about, you know, may not be well understood, but that basic thing that's going on um, has been understood for, gosh, since the mid 1800s. And there's mountains of evidence to support it. So um, 
what I would say to runners is don't let people brutalize you in the name of, you know, fixing your fascia or your, your trigger points that you massage doesn't have to hurt to be therapeutic. And in fact, when you hurt people, you know, what does the nervous system do in response to pain? It, it tenses up, you know, it causes a stress response. You, you know, you want to make the body feel good. Um, so that's, that's a big one that's out there. It, at least here, lots of focus on and I think a, I think a concept that they can um, draw to would be to the ITB as well. ITB is just yeah. thick fascia and people believe yeah. that it's tight. They believe that it needs to be released. So they use the yeah. foam roller, they get massages, they do all yeah. these sort of things to try yeah. and release it. You're not releasing anything. It's not a contractile property. Contractile. It doesn't have anything. Yeah, so you can't release it. Now you may feel it different, you know, you may feel a sensation of tightness and then you don't I, but what's changed is how your nervous system is responding you know what kind of sensations it's generating and, um but yeah it yeah that that's one that ends up causing people a lot of pain and the more you cause pain the, the you're irritating nervous system and the more you irritate it you run the risk of, of having that kind of boomerang and, and get oversensitive. So um, sometimes it can feel good to do that, but it's not a great idea to over rely on it. There yeah, are very good point. other ways, um, just putting your hand over the area, you know, flat on your skin and, and putting a stretch on it and holding that, you know, for a minute or two can do a lot to, you know, if you feel a tightness there, try that. It's not going to hurt you. And uh, it's it's surprising how that can often dial down the, the volume on pain or tension. Yeah. Alice, your, um, your career and your attitude and your mindset has fit into the philosophy of this podcast so nice. And I admire oh, that the fact that you have like tried to break out of your own like beliefs and your own discipline of what you've believed to be true for so long. And I've seen it in like therapists of any discipline that you learn a certain thing, you have these beliefs. And then once you get out into practice, as soon as someone challenges your belief, most people get defensive and start yeah. attacking and start going in the opposite direction that you yeah. went, which was actually challenging your own ideas and coming in with an open mind and having the confidence to say, I don't know, and then try and look for an answer instead of um, at the risk of coming across feeling stupid, you've decided to have this uh, yeah. emotional intelligence, this unbiased opinion and seek out your career that way, which is very, like, I admire that very much. And it's hopefully a big weight off your shoulders. Hopefully you're feeling um, you might not be the best businesswoman, but at least your, <laughs> your conscience is probably um, high up there than a lot of other therapists. And so yeah. I really admire that approach that you've taken. And I really um, am blessed to have you on as a guest to explain exactly what you've learned. And um, yeah, I want to say thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. And, and thank you for your kind words. And you know what I think saved me is that I'm good at recognizing people who know more than I do. 
And so even though I would get taken aback, I recognized that those people knew more than I did. And I wanted to know what they knew. And that's what carried me forward. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's almost like you're putting your ego in the backseat as well. Whereas others are very ego driven that go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So, All right, Alice, I'll, uh, we'll finish up there. Thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been delightful. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Run Smarter podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content has on your future running. If you appreciate the mission this podcast is creating, it would mean a lot to me if you submit a rating and review. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and get instant notifications when a new episode comes out. If you want to learn quicker, then join our Facebook group by searching the podcast title. If you want to take your learning to the next step, including injury prevention principles, injury-specific insights, and modules to boost your running performance, then head to our website by searching runsmarter.online and jump into our Run Smarter Online course. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.